0: And so we'd like you to take your Bibles this morning, Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. <clears throat> Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Find that place, if you will. Again, I appreciate everybody doing everything around here, the decorations is all the ladies and people who work to decorate. Next door is all decorated. If you haven't seen it, you can go next door. They're working on that and getting things fixed up. The teen class was the only thing without a decoration, so I drew a Christmas tree on the on the whiteboard. It was a nice tree, and Ciela would say it was, and a nice green tree with roots and decorations, and then Giselle said no, and she erased it, so uh, it's whispered. <laughs> and so my, my Picasso Christmas tree did not go over well, and so we uh, have no decorations in the teen class. It's very, like... It's like it's a Jewish class over there or something. No, 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 no Christmas there. All right. We were driving years ago, we we're driving, we we're out looking at lights. My son goes, Dad, there's, there's really no lights in this section of town. I said, Well, we're in a Jewish area, son. That's, that's, that's why we're, we're, we're passing through the, Jewish, the Gentiles on the other side. We'll, go, we'll get to the lights over there. So, anyhow, let's pray. Father, we're thankful we can be here. Bless the time that we have. Let us not be wasteful of it. Uh, it's your word, your songs, and it's about you. Bless the kids next door, the children downstairs, and all these services. And May, again, Christ be lifted up and exalted. May we learn about you, and and not only learn, but Lord, how to make application in our daily walk with thee on a moment-by-moment basis. Bless and speak to hearts, as, as already been prayed. Bless the brokenhearted, the lonely, the hurting, and those whose cup overflow, to realize, Lord, that uh, you've blessed them with that, and to be thankful for the one who gave them that. Bless now our time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Really, I have a a, a, a few sermons here, but the title of the sermon, the the series of messages, it's a four-part series, is the four messages of the Christmas angel. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm not going to preach the first message from the Christmas angel. I'm just going to point it out to you, and we're going to jump to the second one. Now, I've haven't, this is a brand new series; I've just put it together, and, and uh, so. But uh, for sake of time, I want to end this thing on uh, Christmas Eve. That would be the fourth message from the angel. And I want us to pay attention to what the angel has to say, the words that the angel is delivering to those with whom he is speaking to. And so, the first message, which again I'm not going to preach on, just mention it very quickly, is found in chapter number one of Luke's gospel where the angel uh, Gabriel appears to Zechariah the priest in the temple where he is ministering and working and and tells him that his wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. And we see this in verse number 13, But the angel said unto him, Fear not Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. It is interesting there that the angel knows that Zechariah and Elizabeth have been praying because he says your prayer has been heard. And can I encourage you? If your prayer has been heard, your prayer is going to be answered. And we don't know when the answer will come, but according to Scripture, if God hears our prayers, He answers them. And so the prayer is heard. And here she's old; she's barren, same way Elizabeth, or I'm sorry, Sarah was barren, and she's going to have a child. And they're going to give birth to the man we know as John the Baptist, the forerunner. And the purpose of John, the reason John is going to be born, is, is foretold by prophecy, he's going to go before and prepare Israel, letting them know that the Messiah is coming and to be ready to meet the Messiah when he comes. And John does that job very well. And there's a six-month difference between uh, John the Baptist and the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John, again, and, and our Lord, our cousins, through Mary and Elizabeth, and John will go ahead. And we know that from this story, John doubts in his heart. The angel Gabriel tells him this, and, and his punishment for doubting is he will not be able to speak until the baby is born. God closes his mouth, and, uh, and he's not able to speak. And so it's important I point that out to you, his, his doubting in his life. In verse number 19, it says, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show these glad tidings, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so again, we meet Gabriel, whose job is to stand in the presence of God and deliver God's messages. We meet Michael. Michael's more of a warrior. Gabriel is the messenger that God has. He's also called the angel of the Lord, and we'll see how he ministers and what his job is. And so that's really the first message telling who John is, what John's going to have to do. But it says in verse number 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her. And whom? Who was called Baron? Isn't is interesting? By the way, the people in the community had a name for Elizabeth, and her name was Baron. What a sad name to give somebody. Nicknames either funny, cruel, or sometimes they are nothing wrong with them. This would be a a cruel name. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. You ought to mark, underline, highlight, and put stars next to verse number 37. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord bid unto me according to the word, and the angel departed from her. I want us to notice several things here this morning as we look at this scripture. We're going to look at the message of the angel, but I want us to... Uh, kind of that's the middle of the sandwich. I want us to look at the, the beginning and the end of this and get us something that I think will encourage us. First of all, we see that God uses all kinds of people, in various lifestyles. We see, first of all, in the beginning of this chapter, that the angel appeared uh, to the high, to, to the priest, an old man, Zachariah, and now he's going to he appears to a young woman. He's going to appear to a carpenter. And then he's going to appear to a shepherd. All these people are different. All Jewish, but they're all different in their lifestyles and manner. And when, when it comes to Mary, we tend to two extremes. And, and there's, a, there's a middle road with things. that It's important to always try and take that middle road. You can either magnify Mary so much that she becomes almost Christ-like and co-redeemer. And, 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 and you worship her which is a, never a position that God gives her in Scripture. God never tells us to uh, worship her, pray to her, or to call her anything like co-redeemer or mother God or anything like that. Those are made-up names. Or we can see, as it says in verse, uh, in, in the Bible here, that how she uh, should be esteemed. She should be recognized that God did use this young lady in a special and particular task. Mary is the chosen vessel that every Jewish woman since the beginning of our Bible has been hoping that she will be the one that she will give birth to the Messiah. Jesus Christ is called the desire of women. That's important for a lot of things in your Bible. Always hold on to that thought. It's especially important when it comes to the Antichrist. But he's called the desire of women because every Jewish woman, it was their desire to give birth to the Messiah. And they always hope that I think when... Uh, Eve gave birth to her third son Seth she no doubt thought that that son was going to be the Messiah the promised one since Cain was a murderer and her son Abel is now dead she no doubt thought finally this is the one but no God is waiting at the time and so we see it again we can be careful in our and have a proper scriptural understanding of who Mary is. She she says, I rejoice in God my Savior in her song later on in the chapter. And again, the idea of God her Savior implies and lets us know that she was a sinner who needed a Savior. Mary was a virgin. She was pure, but she was not sinless. She was just physically pure in the sense that she had never touched a man. Now, in our Bible, we know Israel at this point in time is really, it's, it's one nation. Prior, years ago, it was two nations, north and south. And then under King David and Solomon, it was one nation. But Israel has basically three sections to it. You have the lower part, which is the area of Judea, or Judah. And that's the area around Jerusalem. That's, and then you have the middle section known as Samaria. And then to the north, there is the area of Galilee. And those are the three main sections. You see our Lord traveling through these areas as he ministers. And it's important to understand how Jewish people felt. We always talk about how they felt about Samaria. The people of Judah did not like Samaria because Samaritans were half-breed Jews and they had no use for them. The area up in Galilee was was surrounded by Gentiles. And so the people in Judah considered the, the area of Galilee a compromised region. And so Judah considered themselves the the creme de la creme, the the best Jews possible, and had no use for the Samaritans. And Galileans were all right. And and in Galilee was the city of Nazareth. And we learn from Scripture, what do people in the Bible think about Nazareth? What did one of the disciples say about it? (laughs) Can anything good? And so that area is like Le Pew. We don't want nothing to do with that. Every now and then you... I'll be up in like a, the northern part of Bergen County, which is money country. Every now and then you'll be up there, and somebody'll say, uh, "Where are you from?" I'm from Kearney. And they kind of kind of give you that look, you know, because they we're Franklin Lakes, you know. So what? You pay 20 bucks for Starbucks, and and I'm at Dunkin' Donuts. Big deal. Better coffee anyway. And so, and by the way, the further you go up Route 17, you know, so in here it's like Ford dealers and Toyotas and. And Kia, and then when you get up into that area, it's you know, it's the Maserati and the Lexus and the and other things that's like, you know, you just keep going. The Mercedes Benz dealers. They may look, oh yeah. Oh, oh, Hudson County. Oh, and and by the way, the rest of the country, when it thinks about New Jersey, let me remind you what the world, what the country thinks about New Jersey. Here's Maine and <laughs> It serves a purpose, amen, that's, that's something there, so we, we're here, so we may we may stink from time to time, but hey, you can't get better pizza, bagels, or restaurants, or a diner anywhere. Let me tell you, you go around this country, you see a pizzeria shop, just keep going. You see a diner, you just keep going. You see an Italian restaurant, you just keep going, because you can't get that anywhere like here, my friends, that's the God's honest truth. You go down to Texas, after a week in Texas, oh, all sick and tired of Tex-Mex, Mexican, and, and, and barbecues. Like, son, is it, can we get a chicken parm anywhere? <laughs> I'm dying. I'm having withdrawal symptoms. And so forget about it. So New Jersey is a wonderful place, and uh, we may glow at night, but we, it's a wonderful place to grow up and live. So Galilee is, not, is considered that place of... Eh, you're from Galilee. Ah. <laughs> nice. And my friend... Where does Mary live? She's up in Nazareth of Galilee. God is not interested in the region, my friend. God is interested in the heart of men and what men think about him. It's not so much important where you're born. It's what you do with what you have, with where you're born and serve Almighty God. And so Mary was special in that way, again, that she's going to be used by God. And God chose Mary, a girl from Nazareth in Galilee, to give birth to the promised Savior. Don't so ever put yourself down, never think less of yourself because uh, you may have been born poor, your family may have been messed up, and, 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 and there's all kinds of problems in your house. No, you just love God, and God will take care of you. God uses a lot of messed up people in this book, <laughs> a lot of messed up people. It turned out to for the honor and glory of Almighty God. You just give yourself to God. And Mary, again, nothing wrong with Mary. She just came from a place that the world kind of looked down upon. But God didn't look down upon it. And God doesn't look down upon areas, by the way, anyway. God, in reality, according to the Bible, what does God have to do when he looks upon the earth? <laughs> he has to humble himself. Because it's such a sin-ridden planet that God has to do that, to look upon us. And I thank God he did. The Bible says in verse number 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art Highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. We notice here about Mary. Mary was highly favored with God. And 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 I want us to give us three things quickly about what that means. She was highly favored by God. Again, the angel did not immediately tell Mary how she was favored by God, but that she was God's choice to or not to, to bear another to be the, the mother of the Messiah. That comes later on in the conversation. The angel had to give her time to adjust to the shock of his appearance. And sometimes when we talk to people, we have to give them a moment to, for their brain to catch up with what's going on in the moment. I don't know about you, when I wake up, I am not awake yet. My body may be moving, but my brain is still, especially if you call me, you wake up, and, Pastor, uh-huh, yeah, what's wrong? Uh, and I'm... My, and I, uh, my brain is trying to get with the program. And uh, my sister in law called me one time. Pastor Matt, she goes, Neil was just in a car accident. Dad was in a car accident. And I'm like, uh huh. She said, Matt, wake up. I said, I am awake. Wake up. <laughs> if a few minutes, like, oh, is he all right? And I had phone, right here, talked to, talk to her. Because I, I was in that, that coma. And my body was not. Mary has to adjust. Now she's not sleeping. But she's not ready to receive the message because she's adjusting to an angel showing up which has terrified her at this point in time. Now I want to understand that she's highly favored. I want to understand that God does favor us though as well. How does God favor us? Well, first of all, he saves us. He gives us gifts by the Holy Spirit of God. And then he uses us. Can I encourage you that you, know, you can be used by God. Any person within the sound of my voice who loves God, wants to serve God, and has any desire for God, you're, you're favored. You are favored. My children argue who's the favorite amongst them. They all think Melanie is the favorite. And I always say Melanie's the favorite daughter, being the only daughter. But I, we have no favorites in our house who doesn't aggravate me will be my favorite. Amen. So that's that's how we how we how we aggravate, how we run that program. I'm sure Andrew is the favorite in, 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 in these guys' household, amen? And uh, Ciela thinks she's the favorite over there. Now, understand, God favors people, and God uses us for different tasks. It doesn't mean we're less, but Mary is specially chosen. And again, we're favored by God. It's a phenomenal privilege, my friends, to be used by God, to have any part in the work of God. It's an awesome responsibility to make ourselves available to be used by God. Now, the Lord was with Mary, and, and uh, she did not walk in her life alone. She walks with God her entire life. God was with her. And, and Mary's life had pleased God to the point that God could favor her with this specific task. And we find people in Scripture who live such lives that their lives were exemplary lives, lives dedicated to God, and God will use them for specific tasks. And the more we love God, the more God does with us, by the way. That's a truth as well. And Mary pleased God that God's going to allow her to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when he says God was with her and God favored her, this means that God had been with her in the past, God was with her in the present, and God's going to be with her in the future. No matter Mary had to walk or whatever she did, God promised that he was going to be with her and take care of her. And my friend, that same promise has been made to every child of God. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is always with us. We never walk alone in this earth. Mary was was blessed among women. And again, it should be noted that this clause is, is, is here for us to help us. It's made mention in our scripture. Look, if you will, at verse number 48 in your Bible. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And we do call Mary blessed. She, uh, the lowest state. She, again, did not have a high position of her thoughts in her mind of herself. But she knew what, that God had done something for her. My friend, if God saved you, you ought to get excited about that. And, and, and think, man, God, God wants something to do with me. That's a, that's a remarkable thought. We notice here that we know something else about Mary in her life. Not only was she favored by God, but we notice her humility. She was troubled and stricken with fear, as it says in verses 29 through 30. Mary was very human. Fear is an understandable fear. It's an emotion we don't like. We don't like being afraid. We don't like being scared, something we don't want. We've all experienced from time to time. This fear is understandable because an angel has shown up. And this angel standing, again, angels are always magnificent, powerful creatures, larger than life, large beings, their wingspan, they're glowing, and, uh, and they're, they're just a phenomenal presence, something that would strike the fear in the hearts of everybody. Whoever met an angel was always terrified. Nobody said, any, oh, an angel, wow, that's cool, let me, let, me, let me get a selfie. No, they're all terrified. And the first words out of an angel's mouth is always, fear not. <laughs> fear not. <laughs> Why? <laughs> People are terrified. Mary was very troubled. And, and she's troubled at his saying, the Bible says. It was a message, again, that caused Mary trouble. The fact that she was highly favored, that the Lord was with her, and that she was blessed among women, troubled Mary as well. Now think about that. She's, that troubled Mary, that God thought these things about her. Since Christ has come and Christ has been crucified and buried and and rose again, every person who's saved is highly favored by God. Every person has the Lord's presence and we can be blessed by God. Those are Bible facts. Now Mary was troubled because she did not understand how God could so greatly favor a person like her. She never expected to be blessed by God in this way. And again, this shows us Mary's deep humility. Some people you're going to meet in life, they wonder how God is getting along without them. How did God survive for eons before they showed up? I've met preachers like that who just think they're the greatest thing to come along, and, and you've you got to wonder about those guys. And then there's other people that God uses, and they're just like, I don't understand God but if you can use me here I am and try and do something with me. God wants to use humble people and God will always use humble people. God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. You walk humbly with God and God will take care of you. She was not proud. She was not self-centered. She was not flighty or a frivolous young lady who was uh, filled with self. She was a humble person, didn't think much of herself, just a servant serving the Lord God. But she was, again, this young lady who loved the Lord, and she was determined, by the way, that she was going to live a pure and responsible life. Every child of God, every child of God should make a decision that they're going to live pure and a responsible life. You're not married, you live a pure and responsible life. You're married, you live a pure, devoted to your spouse only, and responsible life. That's God's will for your life. That's God's will for everybody's life. And young people, again, single people, have responsibilities, say, you know what? I am going to resist temptation. I'm not married. I'm going to do what God wants. My life, because that's the will of God in my life. I've known people, well, we're going to get married anyway. Our, our wedding's in two months. No, you're, you're not married. <laughs> you're still not married. You are to live a pure and responsible life. Mary never dreamed that she would have this favor. Mary never dreamed she was this special, but God thought she was because of how she was living her life and how she was acting in her life. So again, it's always important to understand Mary never dreamed she was anyone special. Therefore, when she heard that God was to favor her in a very special way, again, she was troubled. How could she, in an ordinary and a humble person, do anything special for God. And what a striking example Mary is to all of us. How can I do anything for God? Well, watch. <laughs> what I, what Moses, the Bible says, was one of the most humblest men who ever lived. When we think about that, when we read what he did and how he acted in his life, and what did God do with that very humble man? He made him one of the greatest men in our Bible. <laughs> Walk humbly with God. He says in Isaiah, For all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. Pay attention to this. This is the man that God looks upon. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Isaiah 66, verse 2. Who does God look upon? Who does God bless? But the individual who is poor and of a contrite spirit. Now, that doesn't mean physically poor. But the person who knows that emotionally and spiritually and and, and humanly speaking, they have nothing to offer Almighty God. I'm dead, flat, broke, with nothing to give God. The him that is a poor and of a contrite spirit, and the one that trembles at God's word, that's the one God looks upon. That's the one God favors and will do something for. He says in Psalm 138, verse number 6, Though the Lord be high... Yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. As far as God's concerned, you're on the outside looking in. But that humble person who's lowly and knows without God I'm nothing. Everything I have is because God gave it to me. Any intelligence I have is because God allowed my brain to operate this way. Any physical feats I am able to perform is because God wired me and built me to do it this way. God, my friend, is the one in charge of all these things. Now he says in verse number 30 here in, in our story, And the angel said unto her, Fear not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. In this section we are now looking at the message that the angel has. This is the message that she is going to hear. That Again, and how does it apply to us and what is the message we can take away from this story? Well, first of all, we see that she shall conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Mary is actually told what her son's name is going to be. Now, Ethan and Sarah are told they're going to have a boy, and we do not know the name yet. The name is a secret. I think it's Matthew, but don't say anything yet. But no, <laughs> I, don't, I, I did tell her, I said, well, what? I said since all, your dad and mom, all they ever had was sisters, why don't you name them after your dad? Name them David. And, and she, there was a slight little pause in her reaction. I think I, I, think I, I, think I hit a nerve. I think I, I'm, I'm on to something. But I, don't tell nobody. That's just all our secret here in the Internet and the whole world. All right, so, all right? so we don't know what that baby's name is. It's, it's supposed to be a boy. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They're expecting they're due in January. It's going to be a girl. I said, what's the name? Well, it's, that's a secret. We're not telling anybody. Whatever floats your boat. Years ago, you didn't know the gender. But you had names picked out now you know the gender, and you don't, don't tell names all this everything it's, it's i can 't keep track of anything anymore. Back in my day, you wanted to have a gender party you, you this is how superstitious we were back in those days. Some of you old people here. you took a string and a needle and you hung it over the woman 's belly and if, it, and if it went in a circle, it was one thing, and if it went this way, it was on any other nut jobs in here? Remember that stuff that voodoo you were doing on people <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you had some old lady. Oh, and everybody's whoo, and he some. <laughs> yeah, Ms. valerie. And they all told me a girl doctor's like you, know you know. That's it. it the needle doesn't work. How can the sewing needle lead us wrong? Oh sewing needle. So this is, that's this is the crazy things we used to do back in the day. And we used to kill rabbits to find out what you're expecting too. So anyhow. The rabbit died. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about here? Am I the only yeah, Thank you, Ms. Naira a few other people here. Okay. Pete didn't have a heart attack today. Now, so where was I? <laughs> How did we get off on this crystal? Where, what was I saying now? The baby's name is known. His name is now Jesus. And the name Jesus is told in Matthew's gospel. Joseph is told by the angel that his name is to be called Jesus. In verse number 31, we're told here his name is to be Jesus. And the word Jesus simply means Yahweh saves. And Yahweh or Yahweh is salvation. Now I want you to think about the Yahweh is a name for God. That's God's name. Yahweh is salvation. Who is salvation? God. Who is Jesus Christ? Is God. He's also told later on his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. All throughout our Bible, God's letting us know who's being born in this womb, that God is taking on flesh, and it's God is doing the saving here. When we think about this name, again, it's a transliteration from Hebrew and Aramaic. The name means Yeshua. The word is a combination of Yah, Y-A, and an abbreviation for Yahweh, the name of Israel's God, which we find in Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 14. And the verb yasha, meaning rescue, deliver, or save. So everything about our Savior's name, Jesus, really, means he's, His purpose is to save. That's His purpose, is salvation. Not good thoughts, not happy thoughts, not to bring us to another spiritual level of understanding, as Gnosticism teaches, but to, to save sinners. The English spelling of the Hebrew Yeshua is Joshua. We have Joshua back there at the sound booth back there. You can call him Yeshua later on if you want. And when, when translated from Hebrew into Koine Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the name Yeshua, uh, again, becomes Jesus. Thus, Yeshua and correspondingly Joshua and Jesus means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. So God is and the angel is letting Mary know that her son, Jesus, his purpose is salvation. We're also told something else here about this boy that's going to be born. He shall be great and be called the son of the highest in verse number 32. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. He was to be called the son of the highest. Again, of course, the, the highest, of course, is God. Therefore, Jesus, the Son of God, and that is the very nature of God. He is overall God-blessed forever. He was to be the Son of David and to receive the throne of David. He was the line of David. In Sunday school this morning, we were learning about uh, Jacob and his wives. And we learned that Jacob was tricked by his father-in-law into marrying Leah first. He loved... Rachel, who was very beautiful, the Bible says, and Leah, her sister, was tender-eyed. We really don't know what that means, but we get the idea that she was not as attractive as her sister Rachel. And what's interesting is that God blesses uh, Leah, the unfavored wife, the undesired wife, with, with children. And one of those children is a boy by the name of Judah. And Judah is the line that the Lord Jesus Christ will come from. So who does God choose to have his ancestry grow through but the unfavored wife, the tender-eyed wife, the one that was not loved by her husband so much? Jesus Christ traces his ancestry back to David. It's Jewish through and through. Everything about our Savior is Jewish. There are several Gentiles in the line, ancestry of, of our Savior. There is Tamar. I'm not, she's, not, she's Jewish, but she of ill reputation. She played a harlot. We have Rahab who's also in the line. She's a Gentile, and she was a harlot at one point in time. And, and, and then we have the Gentile godly young lady uh, of Ruth. And so these people, again, all different people, all walks of life and some very bad walks of life, but all found in the ancestry of our Savior. What a remarkable thought that God <laughs> chooses those people to come through. Why? For the purpose of salvation, to save sinners, bad sinners, all types of sinners. And so he's going to become the sit on the throne of David. God promised David part of the Davidic covenant is that you'll have a son who will rule and reign forever. No doubt he thought that would be Solomon, but no. It was not Solomon, it was not Rehoboam, it was not any of those. Finally we come to Mary, this little girl up in Galilee, in Nazareth. This is the line. This is where the king is going to come from. The king will come from this village here. We're told that the specifics here, he shall be called the son of the highest. Again, this Announces his deity, and again, without going into it, Scripture plainly teaches the deity of Jesus Christ. Again, I don't want to be ignorant or try to downplay anybody, but when I was a young boy in church, my pastor would say, "We believe in the deity of Christ." I'd be like, "Amen. What's deity mean? <laughs> my brother sitting there means God. I mean Jesus is God? Yeah. That's what their deity means. Yeah, shut up, listen to the preacher. Okay, now I know. So sometimes you hear words you're like, yeah. So don't if you don't know a word, just look it up. Sometimes I like to use big words that I don't know the meaning of because it makes me sound more photosynthesis. <laughs> now. But we want to use we want to understand what words mean. And deity simply means that he is deity is a word for God. He's he's God. God manifested in the flesh. We learn something else about this son. What the angel has to say is that his throne of his father David is going to reign forever. He shall reign forever. This is a prophecy. We see this in scripture. When Christ returns one day, my friend, his purpose is to return to rescue Israel. And to set up shop in Israel. And to rule on the throne of his father David. And to establish the kingdom in Israel. (laughs) Israel, my friend, not Israel. Not Gaza, not, not Jerusalem, not Salt Lake City, not New York, not at the UN, not Moscow, not London, England, it's, it's not Beijing. It's going to be in Jerusalem, is where the Savior, the King of Kings, will come one day to rule and reign forever. Pontius Pilate, when he was crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ, put a sign above his head, simply saying, This, Jesus of Nazareth, what? The King of the Jews. Now, he may have said that mockingly, but my friend, in his mocking, he was 100% accurate. Jesus Christ is the King of the Jews. I had a preach yesterday at a funeral. A friend of mine, his father passed away some a month ago, and they had a memorial service, and his best friend was Jewish. The guy sitting there had a big star of David around his neck and everything else. And I'm preaching the gospel. I'm talking about Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he got up after me. He never said anything, but he very pro-Israeli man, and I appreciate it. But again, everybody needs to know that Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah. He came to the Jewish people. And I want you to understand that in this text, everything the angel says to Mary, he doesn't mention anything about saving the world or dying for the sins of the world. The entire message that the angel gives to Mary here is all Israel. It's, It's an Israeli message. It's for the Jewish people. It's letting a Jewish girl know that her Jewish son is going to grow up to be the king who's going to rule on the throne of his father David over the house of Israel. It's a a pointed Jewish message. And what he says to Zechariah is also the same thing. He's to go to the house of Israel. And so two times the angel Gabriel is centered on Israel. What about us, preacher? Well, We'll get to us later on. But so far, what you're going to see is everything here is is no mention of Gentiles yet. God is stressing the Jewish factor here, which the Christian church needs to learn, by the way, because we got a lot of Christian people out there hating Israel and hating Jews and, and thinking God's done with them, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Israel, my friend, will be the focal point of planet Earth one day. And all the nations of the Earth will go to Jerusalem to meet the king one day. They may try to blow it up now, but they're going to come worshiping one day. His kingdom will be eternal. Eternal kingdom. It will last forever. My friend, when we think about Christ, now the Bible says it's a 1,000 year reign, but understand that even though it's a 1,000 year reign, in the sense that his kingdom is eternal because it never will end, when this earth ends and God burns it up, he creates a new heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ is still king. He's king forever. Now, as Americans, we don't think much about kings. We, we, we got rid of one about 200 years ago. We, but I, I have no trouble with King Jesus. <laughs> We've got a few politicians in this country think they're king. And uh, aggravating me, but understand something. Christ is king. In verses 34 through 35, we see again something else here. Mary's faith is in, in picture. The angel answered and said, The Holy Ghost shall come up. Well, verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How shall this... Be seeing, I know not an angel. Now, when we compare what Mary says to what her cousin-in-law Zachariah says, Zachariah says, hey, "You know, how is this going to be?" Well, Mary says, "How is this going to be?" Well, it's two different statements. Zachariah was a statement of doubt and an unbelief. Mary was trying to figure out how could she give birth, not knowing a man. Mary is doing the the the, the physical. Uh, thinking here and she's just trying to figure out how, how, how is that possible so Mary's not filled with doubt she's got just questions on how God's going to perform this task and this task so God honors that where God punishes Zachariah and can't make him speak God honors Mary here with what he's going to tell her Mary was simply wanting more information and by the way there's nothing wrong with asking for more information every now and then if, we, if it's needed Mary was a young girl. She was single. She had never known a man. So how could she have a child without knowing a man? It says in the Bible here that the Holy Ghost, verse 38, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now again, what manner of operation of God's Spirit? Again, and I want you to be careful, and I'm not going to go too much into this, but there are a lot of weirdos out there. A lot of weirdos. And again, I'm not going to go into your adults and those. You're going to find all kinds of weird, just sick, perverted interpretations. All it means is that the Holy Spirit of God touches Mary's, the egg in Mary, and creates life. The same way God breathed into Adam and gave him life. There is nothing... Nothing weird or strange going on. The Holy Spirit of God just touched that egg and gave it life, and a, and a child is born. A baby is conceived without a man being involved. That's all there is to it. So when you meet some... And by the way, every time you hear those interpretations from the guy, just mark it down. Uh, you're dealing with a pervert. you got some guy with some really deep issues, and just walk away from them. Just walk because they, they got issues. Uh, I've had to deal with some of these people from time to time. Just, they're 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 freak shows and stay away from them. So God, spirit simply speaks and it's done. Again, it'd be crude and it'd be sick to think anything else. The power of the highest shall overshadow. God was going to look after the whole matter. The child's conception and growth during the pregnancy and his birth and his life were under the shadow of the wings of Almighty God. It was God's power that saw the whole operation. Not the presence or power of an angel or a man, but or any other creature. It was God was involved in all of this. God doing this. And the child born of Mary would be holy, the Son of God. Again, we notice here that He's Holy One. When we think of Christ, my friend, He's the Holy One. That's why there's no man involved. He has to be holy. If a man's involved, he instantly becomes unholy and has a sin nature. Without a man, he's, he's holy. Be careful of crude and unholy jokes about the Lord Jesus Christ. The internet is filled with vile garbage and memes and all kinds of stuff mocking our Savior. He's the holy Son of God. Without sin, pure and perfect. He's the holy one. God sent forth, made of a woman, the Bible says in Galatians. He was made of a woman. And God chose the birth process. And believers are to believe in this miraculous birth. If we do not believe in this miraculous birth, my friend, we cannot have salvation. The virgin birth is a vital doctrine for Christianity. We must believe that God did something miraculous there with Mary, pure, and how she lived her life. Jesus says in Scripture... If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth." The psalmist says, "...Commit thy way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring all things to pass." Proverbs 3.5 says, "...Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding." And what we are told that Christians are to believe in miracles. Christians are to believe that God can do anything, that nothing is out of the realm of the possibility of Almighty God. We put God in the equation then everything is possible. Now we live in a natural world, we live in a physical world, and we have to deal with the physical natural, but my friend, God still moves and works in miraculous ways. <laughs> in your life, you think, Well, this is impossible, this is never gonna work out. Did you put God in the equation? No matter what you're thinking in your life, everybody looks in their life, you know, it's just not possible. I want God to do this, but I just don't think that no, with God all things are possible. Mary had great faith because she says in verse 37 with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And listen, she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is this old woman who's carrying a child. And God purposely allows her to go down to visit Elizabeth. Why? To encourage her faith. And our faith always needs encouragement to see what God's doing for somebody else. Say, If God does it there, then he should do it for me as well, because he's not a respecter of persons. And God said he'd do it for me, so my faith is encouraged. God is encouraging Mary here by allowing her to go visit her cousin Elizabeth, and how good God is to do that to her. And God expects us to believe him, to believe in his power, to believe in, regardless of our feelings, regardless of circumstances, regardless of anything, we're to put, put faith in God. In Job, he says, I I know that thou can do everything, that no thought can be withholden from thee. The psalmist cries out, but our God is in heaven. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And Mary surrenders herself to this will in verse number 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She would possess herself no more, but give herself completely over to God. My life is in the hands of Almighty God. And by the way, her life's not going to be easy. She's in the will of God her entire life, but her life is not an easy one. Giving birth would not be easy. And watching her son grow up and all the things she had to deal with and watching her son be crucified and all that, her life was not easy even though she was always in the center of God's will. Anybody who thinks serving God is always going to be easy, you've been misled and and told a pack of lies. Serving God is, is worth the living and it's and it's rewarding. But my friend, there's going to be battles, trials and struggles and, and things we don't understand going to happen to us. We're going to find a lot of times ourselves in the dark with not knowing ex- exactly what's going on. We just hold on to this book and remember God told me something when it was daylight and I'm going to hold on to that and trust God when I can't see right now. Years ago we used to... Be on the vacation with the kids. We'd be going down a straight, dark road. We'd be No street lights, no nothing. I go, Hey, kids, watch this. And I turn the lights off for a second. <laughs> Any other psycho fathers in here? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and they'd be like, Ah! And then we turn the lights back on and, and do it again, Dad. <laughs> and my wife, no! Stop! What's wrong with you? You have time for me to answer that question? <laughs> There's a few things been said to me in life, and one I hear a lot is, "What's wrong with you?" That's that's that, that, that that's or you're not normal. Those are the two things I hear a lot in my life, which I take as a compliment, by the way. And so you're in the dark, you can't see. My, it's amazing. I like, how did people drive carriages years ago down those these dark country roads? But they did it. Here we are. Turn those lights off on that old car. You can't see. Oh, my friend, listen. When we can't see. We just the book says. The book says, the book says, I have to trust God while it's dark right now. But she was totally surrendered to Almighty God. We all ought to surrender our lives to God and, and put our lives in his hands because God does all things well. Let's stand together for prayer. Our Lord God, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ who loved us. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that as the angel gave Mary this prophecy concerning her son, a Jewish prophecy concerning a Jewish king to a Jewish girl in a Jewish nation, in a Jewish city. Lord, we have not got to it yet, but Lord, we know, (laughs) because we've read the book, we've been allowed to be partakers. Thank you. I bless this time and this hour now, in Jesus' name. Amen maybe god spoke your heart this